That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything that people are afraid to say out loud. Do you love yourself? Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? Thanks for joining us again uh, mid-rabbit hole <laughs> for another episode of That L Word Podcast. That L Word Podcast. Morgan's working on his Morgan Freeman voice. Yes. He uh, just discovered gray hair in the Higher. bathroom. Oh, I thought it was lint, bro. <laughs> I wish it was lint. Because <laughs> I usually <laughs> shave all my hair off. And then, like, I went out and I was really picking at it too until I realized it wasn't moving. Damn gray hair. You're going to be distinguished looking be, very I'm, soon. I'm too, be, I'm too young to be old. Well, in the studio, we have a guest today, uh, Alexis Hunter from Wilmington Health. Hey, guys. We appreciate you coming in. I yeah. love your nails. Thank you. The color is very vibrant. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we're going to uh, just let you introduce yourself and tell us what you do and, and all that stuff. And then we'll, then we're just going to go down a rabbit go hole. Go down rabbit hole. Go down rabbit hole. I get permission? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, sure. My name is Alexis Hunter. I'm the community liaison for Wilmington Health. Um, I have been at Wilmington Health for about two and a half years, but prior to that, for about 10 years, I was still in healthcare, but with a small mental health agency. Uh, but right now, as the community li- liaison, my role is to connect people and resources from Wilmington Health to people and resources outside of our organization. So I'm making touch points in the community, going to all the events that I can, but also helping our team internally, uh, however our patients need and however our staff needs. And you show up to places by yourself a lot, right? Yeah. Because that's really, I think, what, when we had discussed having you on the podcast, you said one of the things that you would love to talk about is leading when you don't have a team. Right. A set team, I guess. Right, yeah. So I am considered a leader at Wilmington Health. I'm in the management wing of the organizational chart, if you will, but I don't have any direct reports. I work with a lot of different teams clinically, uh, administratively, and I have the opportunity to lead some initiatives, to lead some projects, things like that, but I don't have any direct reports. Um, But I still think that it's really important to make sure that I'm always portraying myself as a leader. I want people to trust me and respect me and um, give me the opportunity to help them out in any way that I can so that we can improve everything for our patients and for our team. I have to imagine your reputation would play a huge role in that. Yes. Yeah. I think it does. Um, I think that even in a a large organization like Wilmington Health, you know, we've got 1,100 people. So everybody there doesn't know who I am. Um, But a lot of them do. And I think it's really important to make sure that everything that we do, every conversation that we have, you are reflecting the person that you want people to perceive you to be. Um, I think sometimes we fail at that, but if we can win most of the time, I think we're doing all right. Well, especially when you show up to a a team that either doesn't know you or that is, like you say, they're not your direct team. Right. But your reputation will precede you and maybe make a softer landing when you plop down in the middle of that team. For sure. For sure. Um, So we have a bunch of different locations at Wilmington Health. We've got about 18 patient-facing locations throughout four counties. And so I often, like you say, just have to plop into a clinic, talk to teams that I don't work with every day. You know, a lot of our clinics, they're just like a small organization. They have their own team. They have their own 
things that they do. They sit down in the lunchroom together, and I'm not a part of that team. But I get to walk in, and I really try to take the opportunity to learn what they're doing. You know, I'll go to the front desk, and I'll watch them interact with patients. I'll ask them, you know, why are you doing these things? Because I genuinely want to know. Um, I try to look at things always from the patient experience. And so I think that by learning about different people in my organization, I have the opportunity to gain their respect, teach them things that I'm seeing, um, but also just make an impact for our organization. I got as you, you know, we all, you know, we've said, I think in my career, we all say everybody's a leader at some point. But most people believe you have to sit in a certain seat or a position to, to lead, sure. uh, which usually that means there's management or supervision. Um, have you, even before this, like, were you always the leader of the groups and, like, growing up and moving through life and college and all that type of stuff? Like, Yeah. Um, it's really interesting when I reflect back and look um, – I can see leadership kind of came out in different ways. So I was the student body president in high school. Um, I enjoyed leading. I started early. (laughs) I don't plan on being a president of much else. But but no, I mean, that was a, a fun way to lead teams and learn about my peers and my school. And, you know, of course, sometimes that means that you're not, the most liked person because you have to make decisions, but also really gaining respect. Whenever I had the opportunity in college and organizations that I volunteered in, I would always um, attempt to find a way to lead. Um, But also I think that there are characteristics of people that you just naturally gravitate toward the leader, to the one that people are listening to, that they're looking to. Um, And so as I've gotten older and had some opportunities at my previous role, I I did have direct reports. I was a one-woman HR show. And so that means that, you know, you lead the whole organization through the human resource process. Um, And so I really took it to heart that I want people to respect me and trust me. Um, And so I can, I see how in, in different facets and organizations and nonprofits in the place where you work, in your church, in your, you know, supper club, whatever it is, uh, when you have leadership skills, they just naturally present themselves and opportunities. You mentioned respect and trust. What other characteristics do you think draw people to leaders? Um, For me, compassion. Um, I think that it's so important just to be kind to people. Um, Really? Yeah. That's the thing. It is. (laughs) This is sarcastic, Morgan. Yeah, yeah I know. Really. I mean, because some people are like, oh, I'm not here to like you. You have, have, have you know what I mean? That, yeah, ex- that yeah. Com- compassion and empathy, all those things that you're talking about. Yeah, no, and I think that there's definitely places for boundaries. You know, I don't think that every leader has to be best friends with everybody else, but or I do think, be. or should be, right. No, but I do think, um, you know, being approachable. You know, if you have a leader that is unkind or that is a tyrant or, you know, my way is the way that we're going, it's really hard for other people to want to approach that person and say, hey, I have an idea. Let's try this. But if you're a leader that shows compassion, that shows, you know, kindness, then you're going to say, all right, show me your idea. Let's let's see what happens. You know, give people the opportunity to, to try something out so that they can grow. Because I think 
when I think about the best leaders that I've had, they are ones that allow me the opportunity to grow and try new things. But that's where I think good leaders come out. Like, leadership is not, they don't put you in a position to say, you need to do it your way. The, what makes you a good leader is because you are you know that your way is not the only way. Right. The ideas that you get, you're facilitating the process and the organization and the movement of the project or the skill that, that needs to be implemented. And you're using your people as, you know, their knowledge. I mean, the whole team is the tool. Sure. And you're, you're also building an environment of psychological safety and all those other key elements that allow people to give voice yeah. to concerns or ideas or to be creative. Oh. To, yeah, took it. and <laughs> to not be afraid to fail. That's the biggest thing, I Absolutely. think, is not be afraid to fail. Yeah, no, I think that, um, I mean, it's so cliche, but some of our, our best lessons that we've learned are ones because we failed. Um, sure, there are going to be organizations and jobs where if you fail, it could really, really damage. Right, yeah. It could be detrimental. Don't get me wrong. But I do think that there are, you know, opportunities for growth come when you try new things and see what works, what doesn't work. There have been plenty of things that, you know, the first time that we tried something, even if we succeeded in it, you know, you go and you have an after action review real close after an event or a meeting or a, you know, retreat or something like that and say what went right what can we do better next time so that you can immediately try to improve? And you do that with a team so it's not just one person's opinion of of what didn't go great. You know, as a team, you come together and you try to not fail the next time. That's called double-loop learning. And I, okay. So I do this thing uh, called Resilience Building Leadership Program, and it's um, like it's SHRM-approved, sure. all yeah. that kind of stuff. And one of the things we talk about is single versus double-loop learning. And single loop learning is the thing failed, we fixed it, now it's not going to fail. The double loop is when you get outside of that loop of just fixing the problem to make it better next time. Yeah. And the example that is often used is, I forget which of it was Toyota or Honda, one of the companies that had a problem with the battery in the vehicle running out. And so they fixed it, right? That's the single loop side of it. But the double loop side is then to figure out what was causing that battery to fail sure. in the first place and then fixing that. And that's really what you're, you're talking about yeah. is like that get outside of the reactive, let's fix it and be more proactive. You learn the lessons, but then you also make it better. Absolutely. And are continuing to improve. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that good leaders are going to ask everybody that's involved in something. You know, there's there's going to be some things within organizations that really only leadership is involved. But, um, you know, at Wilmington Health, there are some things where where everybody is involved. You know, be it um, one thing that's top of mind for me because it's coming up is we're the medical partner for Iron Man. And so we man the— Who? Who are you here? <laughs> you know, Morgan's a— Are you going to race? No, he's he's an Iron Man spokesman. Like, literally. No way. I do some of the voiceovers. I'll actually be in Kona doing some stuff. Yeah? For the Are you going to be for the here for the one I'll be here yeah. for it, working with the Found, Iron Man 15th. Foundation. I'm, yeah. I'm here every year. Yeah. Well, we're going to be— I'm only be... 45 minutes away, so— Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to be at the finish line putting IVs into <laughs> athletes and all oh, that so kind of stuff. Oh, so you're at the med tent. We're at the med tent. Yeah, yeah that's, the that's finish where line. I, that's where my coaching— Kind of start other than yeah. the military. So I've been with Ironman. I used to be one of the, the volunteer directors in Southern California for the, some of those races. Oh, I've man. been working for Ironman for, since like 2014. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. 
So y'all are going to be jabbing people at the finish We're line. We're jabbing people at the finish line, you know, giving Gatorade. If they need it, yeah, if they need it at the end, they really need it. They need it, yeah. No, it <laughs> they was, go in that tent, they really it need it. It was intense, but, you know, last year was our first year doing this. This was our first opportunity for Wilmington Health to do it, and it's like it all hands on deck. It was hot. It was warm. Windy. People, I mean, people were coming with everything, jellyfish scenes, needing fluids, you know, needing Gatorades, all kinds of stuff. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. We, we all joked, like, we felt like we were like on MASH, you know, like it's a 10, mm-hmm. it's like an emergency room, but it was super, super fun. Um, but it was the first time we ever did it. And we were, we did great. We got great feedback. Um, but, I mean, that was on a Saturday. On Wednesday, we were having an after-action review. Let's talk. And we didn't just say through the three people that were the leaders of it. You know, we asked people that were doing all of the jobs. The volunteers. All of the volunteers. You know, like what could have made this easier? And I I always like to say, like, if you can look into a crystal ball and just give me anything, like what's what would – doesn't matter how much it costs, what would it be? So let's start from there as to how this can be better. So already this year, you know, I have – less stress about it. You know, we've we've had one year under our belt, but we already had figured out here are all the things that we need to do to make this even better for the athletes, make it even better for our volunteers. What's one thing? Well, like, what's the big one that you saw that you really want not to just fix, but you wanted to improve? The, the specific process yeah. at Ironman? No, no, for you, like, just, just the one thing that you, you saw that you wanted to fix instead of just fixing it and, and moving on to the next one, how did you feel, like, like, how did you go about improving it? Like, just one thing, like, not all of them. But so, just, for example, um, the way we had the tent set up. So, we, you have cots, you know, and correct. we had 10 cots in there that we just kind of set up, and we thought that it was this, like, appropriate way to do it. Uh, but what would happen is some athletes come in, like, they literally just need, like, a Band-Aid. Some people are like, can I have some ibuprofen? But some people need to have the... Uh, the IVs yeah, and the like, wrap, space wrap blanket, stuff yeah. and everything, you know, like, so what we decided was we've got to have a little bit more triage to figure out where people, what people need when they come in the tent. And so this year we're going to split it in two. We're going to have cots on one side and we're literally just going to have some chairs on the other. So, you know, acute care, easy care, basically put the doctors on one side, put techs and, you know, non-clinical people on the other side so that we can really Organize the efficiency of when the athlete comes into the tent, where they will go, because that will be less stress on our part and therefore faster care for the athlete. And that's, that's, that's the great thing about, like, when you look at leadership in, in, in a raw form, like, it's not about – sometimes when people get in leadership positions, they think that you need to change everything, right? There's – and so to say, there's nothing that needs to be done differently in, in – in, uh, I guess uh, care wise, mm-hmm. but how you organize the the environment sure. dictated a different result. Yeah. And what are you doing as a leader to build that environment for the after action where people are willing to say, in an unconstrained environment, I wish we had this? Um, for me personally, one of the things that I make sure that I do as often as I can is I want to get into our offices and have face-to-face conversations with people. Now, granted, I work in healthcare, and so a couple years ago, that wasn't always possible. Um, I started working for Wilmington Health two weeks after the shutdown. So there were some people that for a year and a half, I never saw them without a mask. You know, like I only saw just their eyes. Um, but... Since we've had the opportunity to, and we still have to wear masks in our building, we're healthcare, but I go and have face-to-face conversations with people, you know, whether that is, 
a doctor that I'm trying to do some outreach for and, you know, they can do a new kind of procedure, I want to go and talk to that doctor about what the procedure is and so I can know exactly what it is. Also, the same with, you know, our our front lines, patient representatives, people that sit at the front desk when you walk into a doctor's office, you know, finding out from them, you know, what's their, what's their day like? Um, is there anything that I can do to help you when it comes to, you know, before people even set foot in the door? I'm technically on the marketing team through administration, so I work really closely with our marketing manager. And we are always trying to find out what do we need to make sure that patients know before they even walk in the door? How, what will help you check that patient in faster, get that information from a patient? Or, you know, even I'm talking with doctors and providers outside of our organization. And so, like, how can I make the referral process better? What information does somebody outside of our organization need to know to make your job easier. And so when I'm consistently having conversations with my colleagues about that, you know, so every now and then suddenly people will be like, oh, you know what, you should ask Alexis about that. She's always out in the community. Maybe she can go and find out what that new blah, blah, blah is. Um, so it's, you know, it takes time. It's not anything that you can do overnight. I think that, you know, especially if you're new to organization, you really have to take the time to go around whether you're, you know, quote unquote, the boss or not, you just go around and meet people in your organization and learn who they are. Leadership by walking yeah. around. Yeah, and yeah. I, I always, you know, I always talk to people about like leadership being inconvenient, and they, just, you know, oh, leadership should be. It is though, and that's when we talk about the bosses, where you get some people that get into these positions. I don't call these people leaders that I'm about to describe, where they don't think it's their place to have to go speak to everyone. Right, yeah. it, it, like your your job as a leader is to know your people. Like sure. that is your job, right? So if you're not, I mean, serving leadership is a very important thing to me. I know it's, it sounds like it is the same thing as to you. And how can you help fix or assist in something you don't understand? And that's the person, right? And people are less right. likely to open up if you've not established a relationship, or if the relationship is. One that is only convenient Surface when, level. Yeah. yeah, when you need something right. or whatever. Exactly, you've got to connect on that deeper human level. Yeah, and They'll so tell you everything. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, keep your keep an ear to the ground. You know, there's stuff that you should know, and you know, obviously, there's stuff you don't want to. Know. There's stuff you don't want to know. <laughs> there's going to be a boundary like, of like tell me that. toxic gossip. I'm not saying get involved in the toxic gossip, but kind of know like what people are feeling. Um, in healthcare, sometimes we call that rounding. Um, you know, like which part is rounded? The, the part that you should do, the, the part that you should do. Okay. You know, like sometimes you hear like a doctor will do rounds in a hospital. You know, oh, but so we okay. we call rounding like literally going around to the different places, and it may be that you know you spend time in a clinic that is not your own. You spend time with a group that is not the team you normally work with. Learn what they're doing. You know, kind of see their strategies, and then you know. Create a culture in our organization. We have a culture where we can say, like, from an outsider looking in, and then you say what you think. You know, you want to say, like, I don't think you're doing it wrong, but, you know, maybe here's something to think about in the way that I – thinking from a patient experience, because in healthcare at Wilmington Health, we're always trying to think from the patient experience. If I was a patient, this is what I'd be thinking. Perhaps we, we can try this or so something. So would you – Traveling to different organizations, not the same organization, but different um, satellite teams. offices or sure. different teams. Yeah. When you say rounding, right? I, when I think about that, I also kind of put the rounding with the 
the the current state of how we are still kind of virtual in a sense. We're mm-hmm. like 50 right now. Mm-hmm. How do you do or do you do or how do you do the rounding when it's someone that you just can't go walk up to? Like, because there's you got the if you had five, you said five locations. So we have 18 locations. 18. So if you had one and the other 17, like, how do you create that relationship with those people? Are you on Zoom calls? Like, do you make it your point to say, hey, let's just talk? Um, so I th- we do both. Okay. So we still have a lot of Zooms. You know, um, this week we're going to have our monthly leadership management training, which is all of the executive team managers, team leads for Wilmington Health. There, I think there could probably be like 60 people on that call. It's a Zoom call. There's no way that we can all be in the same space on a Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock and not completely disrupt clinics and things like that. Um, one of the things that we do, and it's not always well-liked, is we keep our cameras on, on Zooms, on is, virtual meetings. Is that, is, that, is that a really a thing? Like, I've heard people say, like, I, I've never done, I don't like it without the camera. Like, what's the whole point of it? I can just call you. Call you on the phone. Right. There's a lot of people, especially <laughs> like, in the groups just call that you don't. Live yeah. Zoom if we're not going to see and each other. There, there are groups that don't. And obviously, you know, like, everybody has their reasons. Some people and I... Can completely understand. They're in their draws, you know. Like they don't. They're they didn't brush their hair. They don't have on makeup. Um, but the va- at this point now, the vast majority of us are are in our office or in a cl- like we got up and went to work, you know. Mm. So, um, but it's being able to to see people. It's being able uh, for us. It's being able to see a whole face, you know. Because otherwise, we have to have a mask on. It's to see expressions. It's to make some sort of contact with these people on a human level as opposed to, like you say, just picking up the phone and it's calling. It's crazy, like, how you, you take that mask, like, you just said to see the whole face. It's crazy how you take that mask away and you literally can read them differently. Exactly. Because all you see yeah. in this is, like, the little ninjas. Yeah. Right? It, it, yeah. All you see is their eyes, and if they just have this, this thousand-yard stare, you're like, I can't, what are they, I can't tell what to do. I don't do. know yeah. what's going right. on, but then you see, like, when— People don't understand how much the jaw and the lips move and the cheeks move yeah. to, to show expression, and it's huge. Yeah, I mean, nonverbal cues are, are huge. And so, I mean, for us, I definitely think it's virtually being on those calls, turning on your camera, talking face-to-face. Um, but, you know, picking up the phone, you know, we have to send a lot of emails. Emails make it easy. Sometimes you need written documentation. I get that. Um, but also, you know, if it's just like a quick question, pick up the phone and call, mm-hmm. you know? Ooh, that's too much. Yeah, I know. No, don't call me. You got to text me. Or te- well, <laughs> still. No, it don't still. They got to call. Like, that's the problem, yeah. right? That's how we're, that's the problem with, with leadership. I, I had somebody that I was dealing with that was, like, trying to communicate something about work in a text to their boss. And I'm like, pick up the phone. you need to call, bro. Yeah. Like, this is not a, it's not a text uh, subject. Right. And, and we haven't been given... One, we don't give the training, and we haven't been given the training to say what's appropriate in text, what's not appropriate in text. And some people in that in a younger generation think text is everything because there are organizations that just, I mean, even when, in, in the military, when we shifted the text messages, it was like, oh, I text you. Yeah, well, that's how this yeah, works, brother. Because there's <laughs> Slack and text and you know, oh, so there's much. all there's all of the communications forms, all the else, things. Yeah. And one of our leaders will um she'll often say that if the email goes back and forth more than three times, pick up the phone. That's that's a good mm. rule of thumb. Like like stop like this that. back and forth. Yeah, now, if you are in an organization that needs a little bit of written documentation sure. after you've had the phone call, after you've had the face to face conversation, then 
email a follow-up. That's right. Just as a review, this is what we talked about. That this be is a, how we're yeah, moving forward. That's always, because I, I, I'm coming from 24 years of being a paralegal, and either yeah. documentation is everything. So sure. either it's two things that happen. Even if you're having a conversation, you delete with the email describing what's going to be talked about and when it's going to be talked about, then you had a conversation, or after you followed up with an email saying this is what it was about. So it's always something states with their clear lines, right? Because things can be left in to say, oh, I thought you were saying this. Well, no, that's not what I was really saying. When you're leaving people out. Also. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Alexis, earlier you mentioned toxicity and water cooler talk. So as somebody who doesn't have a set team, mm-hmm. when you do land in a team and you find that there's water cooler talk, toxic gossip. kind of stuff, gossip. how do you handle that? So um, part of it is, I mean, sometimes you're going to listen. You know, some of it is it's not you're not going to leave that conversation with the information. You know, you're not going to then start the telephone line of telling other people. You know, Um, I think that leaders have to listen. You have to sit back and you have to process information. I think it's important to figure out, okay, why is this person saying this? Why is this person spreading this information? Is this information true? Can I validate it from another source? Um, But also, I think there are times, depending on your role, you have to avoid toxic conversation. Um, There are people that I've worked with in the past that I've learned they're going to be toxic. I'm just going to do the things that I have to do with them because it's part of my job. You know, Mm -hmm. if we have to have a meeting, if we have to talk about things, we're going to talk about that. But otherwise, I just, I can't be a part of the conversation. Sometimes Um, they can be your best source though too. Sometimes that's the scary part. part. Depends on who it is. Like you have to, like you said, you have to put the foot on the gas, the pedal, not the gas, the the brakes sometimes. It's like, you know, okay, that's cool. And then kind of get into some real subjects. Right. But like I've learned as a leader, like you want to have those conversations, but in in very small bits and pieces. Right. I I think so. And I think that it's important to, um, you know, and sometimes we do great at this and sometimes we don't. If, you know, if you hear something that seems like it's like the gossip train, Again, is it real? Can we validate it? Like, are you? Is this important information to know? Because like somebody needs to call HR about this. You know, I mean, like it's that kind of information. Or are are people just wanting to have water cooler talk and you know talking about what they heard happened on the weekend that really doesn't affect their job performance and and what's happening at work? And so I think it's having enough social intelligence to figure out. Morgan's pointing at point, me. That's the key, right? Because <laughs> I was waiting for you to pause, right? Because like that's sometimes you think like, oh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go t- tell Jody about this and ask him. Well, maybe he shouldn't know, right? Right. So it's like, hey, Jody, what's going on, man? How is such and such going? Well, right. And maybe like, you get more inf- social intelligence though. Yeah. That is the. key. You have to have social. <laughs> Most intelligence. people that, that that are that gossipy does don't have social intelligence. That's though. very true. That's yeah. very true. I was thinking in my last role. We would travel around to a lot of different teams, mm-hmm. big and small, you know, sometimes thousands of people, sometimes 50 or whatever. I feel like I can smell culture and climate when I walk into an organization. Absolutely. You can feel it. You can sense it. Yep. How do you experience that? Um, I think so, too. And, of course, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. when you get out of an organization. I think that— um, 
as, as some, I, I've worked in in multiple places, and most of them are are very very different. Um, Wilmington Health is a big organization. You know, I don't know everybody in it, but I am in. Um, meetings and around executive teams that we have a certain culture that we portray. And, you know, people will say, I'm thinking about working at Wilmington Health, give it to me in one word. And I really do think it's teamwork. The culture is teamwork. We have each other's backs. But that's not the way that it's always been. I could tell when I came to interview at Wilmington Health that there was a positive culture. Um, I had to interview with with a bunch of different people in one day, and it was kind of like they all wrote. I stayed in the same room, and they rotated like speed in dating and out, almost, yeah, like yeah. speed dating almost <laughs> exactly. Um, and there was jovial conversations, and you know, people were checking in about this little thing that happened and um, following up. But then people, you know, genuinely acted like they cared about the organization, um, and I could I could sense that. That hasn't always been the case because, you know, sometimes when I walk into a room at places, like, I feel like you can cut the tension with a knife, you know, like, something is going on here. It's that climate. That is not healthy, you know. Um, So I I absolutely think that you can do that. I think it's really important, you know, we're in this time in our world where people are moving and getting Mm -hmm. new jobs and trying new things and, you know— for listeners, I think there's a lot of people that are maybe interviewing at jobs, but really, I do think that you have to figure out how can I get a pulse on the culture, the attitudes, you know, what are people saying? If if you go and if you're trying to get a new job at a company that you know somebody else that they work there, go on Glassdoor or something and like, what are people saying about the organization, especially if you are you know, thinking about working for an organization that directly services customers or patients or vendors or something like that, go and ask people that buy goods from them, that right. go to their restaurant, that go to that doctor's office. You know, like, what do you think about the people that work there? You know, really try to get a sense of it because um, if you are thinking about going to a company that feels toxic, it probably is. Well, it's like it's like anything else when you— you see somebody yelling at their kids, and you think, if they're doing that in public, like, what what's going on behind them? closed doors? Yeah. So if you walk into an organization and it already feels tense or toxic, yeah. imagine what it's going to be like when you actually get— Yeah, trust those instincts, Yeah, for sure. Some people don't have those instincts, though. That, that's the that's the scary part where people end up saying, you know, you always ask the question, well, didn't you see it? Didn't, you, it wasn't, didn't it show it head before? And you're like, no, because— I think it's good to hear people for people to hear this because you can't just go in there saying I need to make thirty thousand dollars. I mean, I'm just throwing out a number. I hope you want to make more than that. Uh, maybe you want to make thirty. I don't know. Uh, but you have to go in there and say like, is this where I want to be? I always right. tell it. You know, I, I'm not trying to be religious, but I'm just giving a, a point because I'm from Missouri, and it's like, have you found your church home? It, it's not about is the word that they're saying to you any different. It's like. How do you feel when you're in that environment, right? yeah. And sometimes we're not—this is the biggest one. We just said this last episode, being honest with yourself about that, right? Not just going into that scarcity mindset. It's like, I got to have—so then when you make that decision to stay in in an unhealthy environment, know that that unhealthiness could actually rub off on you. Yeah. And And, that's the scary part. And affect you in so many other 
places yeah, in your life. At, yeah. at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with relationships yeah. with your kids, with your spouses. Like, and I think if you're friends. one of those people that someone has said, like you said, Morgan, didn't you sense that? Didn't you get that? Like if if you are having people tell you that, then maybe that means you do need to work on your social intelligence, your emotional intelligence. Like there are Books to read, podcasts to listen to, therapy to go to. Coaches like, to hire. Yeah, coaches yeah. to hire. I know a couple guys. I know a couple of guys. <laughs> they can help you figure this out. But you have to, you know, to become a really good leader, the kind of leader that people want to either work with or work for for a really long time, you've got to figure out social and emotional intelligence. You like you really believe in this. I like your 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 shoulder went into that. Yeah. No, like you, you were moving. Have her to. body started to move like you better be listening to me right now because I'm telling you something that you need to learn. Yeah. You hear leaders be like, why won't anybody stay? I, the turnovers they well, don't like you. They don't like you. <laughs> how do you handle that? How do you handle that conversation? How do you tell yeah, how do you tell that leader that you know that it's that's it's them. Yeah. It's you, is. not us. It, that's tough. It I mean, is. That is a crucial conversation that you have to be prepared that this person may never want to talk to you again. Well, hopefully um, all those conversations you've had have, have built to, some trust. Built, yeah, there right. we go. Yep. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to, you know, especially if you're having that with a person that, you know, you've been talking with for more than an hour. You know, like you have some kind of grip on who they are, Um you know, just like we were talking about before, like getting to know the people that you work with, getting to know other leaders in your organization, you do that by talking to them. Um, I think that once you start to know them and, and start to get used to them, have lunch with them, have coffee with them, you're going to start to kind of figure out who they are. Um, you know, the the golden rule is treat other people the way you want to be treated. But I really think in an organization, it's treat other people the way they want to be treated. Um, because you might not treat yourself real good. It's like, like a love language thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. It's not about what you see. It's like what are th- what do they need and how does that make them feel? Right, right. Yeah. Like how is this going to come across? And there are some people that, you know, you really have to kind of walk on eggshells and protect their ego, you know, stroke their ego a little uh, bit. And there's other people that you know, like I can just tell it to them like it is. Like they probably don't care, but I'm going to tell it to them. Yeah. <laughs> Because I don't know if I can deal with the other person anymore. Well, and, you know, I, I think about <laughs> physicians, yeah. um, health healthcare providers, but specifically physicians, as well as academics. Yeah. There are these people that are great at their thing, but not great with other human beings. Right. And oftentimes because of their education level and position in the company or whatever, they're in a leadership position, but don't have the skills to lead people. Yeah. They're great in the OR. They're great in the classroom. They're great at teaching the thing, but they're not great at interacting Doctor's with others. Doctor's not good with people. Well, you you will run into more than you think. No, I, no, I, no. Yeah. But I say it knowing, but I say it out loud so people understand like that. It's not about if they can perform, like it's not about just performing their their. It's task. not the function. They, they the function. can come in and fix they're you. They're great at what they yeah. do. But they don't see the those social skills right. that they need it's like you can't you shouldn't I, i've had a doctor like that where there was probably do show shows he was like a lieutenant colonel in the navy or something like that um a captain or whatever you call it in the navy and he came to me and he said i was like a, i think i was e6 then and so he talked to me like like down at me and i was like and i'm strong i've always been with this personality and he said something to me and i was like sir like I, i'd get to ask questions about my health 
Right. And, yeah. you know, he was treating you like a yeah, machine. Yeah, I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't care yeah. about yeah. I don't. Right now, you talk about cutting me over. I don't care about who, like what your rank is. It, it means nothing to me. Yeah. Right? So I walked out of there, and I asked another doctor. I was like, I'm not doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Because like I don't feel comfortable with you working with me. And like, but when it came back, somebody, the guy that I went to at the desk, you know, that one, that corpsman that's sitting there, the sailor, um, the sailor that's sitting there, and he said, yeah, this happens. He does that with a lot of people. But that's a great point. And I, I forget where I read it. It was in one of the books, but they were talking about a vet uh, team, right? And mm-hmm. that's where the team aspect comes in. Yeah. Because people would frequent this vet because of the staff at the front. They loved the animals. They were super, you know, it was the, yeah. the kind of environment, the the culture, the climate that you walk in, you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is where I want to be. And the vet was a good vet, but not great with people. But they were highly successful because they had a great front-facing team. Yeah. And then the vet was basically like the mechanic back there doing the work. Right. And was working on their personal skills as well. Had a good offer manager. But that, yeah, that, yeah that's team. what I was going to say. Yeah, you know, yeah, figuring yeah. out. Um, some organizations have more of a luxury that, you know, it's got to be more than one person. But if you can have a team where you really know, you know, each other's strengths and who does what well. And, you know, you might even have somebody on your team that's kind of like the physician whisperer. Like, you know what? Let me talk to that's a, Let yes. me talk to him. You know, like figure out who that person mm. is. Um, because there are going to be people that are a little bit better at those conversations. There are, like you say, there's going to be some people that you just got to stroke their ego. Mm. There's some people that are better than that at, than others. Right. You know, like find the person on your team who can have the conversation with them that, you know, doesn't completely bash their ego, but also helps build the team up. You know, there's, we all have different strengths. We all have things that we are good at and also that we like doing. There are some things that people on your team hate doing. You have to do some things at work, but, you know, find out on your team. Recently, we did the Clifton Strengths Finder. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and it, it was awesome. You know, we all got to see our top five strengths. And we when we walked into the room to do the training, everybody had like a little placard in front of their with their strengths. Things yeah. with their strengths. And so we all kind of looked around and I mean there was like light bulbs going off everywhere like, oh I get now. I get now why <laughs> like you when, need uh, that. Um, Hoop came in here. Yeah. He had this thing. Yeah. And he I was like, then he told me why these words are on there. I was like, that's why we get along. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it also, all of those assessments, they give you a common language. Yeah. So that if the team has done whatever Whatever it is. Then they're like, oh, you're this. And like you say, right. then that's when all the light bulbs, and now you've built bridges for communication. Yeah. Instead of people saying, I hate it when you come in my office with your crazy ideas. Now they understand, oh, that's just how your brain works. Right. But then you under you know what each other needs. Right. It's like a technical it, team almost. Like exactly. Everybody yeah. has their points of uh, of expertise. Yes. And everybody respects them for that expertise and knows what their strengths and, you know, you're not going to yeah. ask the, the explosive guy about medical stuff. Right. Usually that doesn't work that well. The thing that put the most light bulbs on, I think for, for me at least, and for some people on our team is that, you know, this is healthcare administration. And so there's a lot of people in there that were what's called achievers. Um, and then kind of the, the flip to that is adaptability. And so, I, one of my five top five is adaptability, which basically means like 
it's going to be fine. We can do this. You know, if if we don't get it done today, we're going to get it done tomorrow. But an achiever on the flip side, they have a to-do list and everything on that to-do list needs to be done at a certain time. And in order. And in order. <laughs> you have both. I, I think I'm both. It depends on what the project is. Because sometimes, like, I want to, like, what are we waiting for? And then when it comes here, and I'm like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's we'll really it this cool thing because now, like, we know who on our team is each of those things. And so we can work really well together because sometimes I need my counterpart to be the achiever to say, no, we have to get this done by Tuesday. Reel you in. And reel me in. But sometimes she needs me to say, nobody's going to die on our table. Right. Calm You're down. stressing yourself out. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to get it done till Friday. And so because we both know that now about each other and other people on our team, you can lean on each other for the things that you're not great at. And it's not so much resistance. Like, it's not this, like, huh, push you this, this, like, I get it, and I, I allow you to pull me with you. Right, instead right. Instead of resisting the pull. You know? And that goes back to you summing up Wilmington Health in one word, which is teamwork. Right, yeah. It makes sense that that's how you describe it. Sure. I like this place. Yeah. We should go there. Come see us. We got a lot of we providers. Go teach there or something like that. Well, we're going to start wrapping up here in okay. a few minutes. What um, what piece of advice would you give anybody out there listening who's in a similar situation where they're in a leadership position but don't have a set team? Every instance that you have to go and communicate with somebody within your organization, take the opportunity, have meaningful conversations with people find out who they are, and offer your assistance. Say to them, how can I support you today? How can I help you? What can I do to make your job easier today? We're all busy. I get like, everybody's busy. Nobody has the excuse to say, oh, I don't have anything to do. But by doing that with your colleagues and other people in your organization, they're going to start to trust you and know, like, I can call an Alexis. You know what? Let's call Alexis. I bet she might have an idea of something that we can do. And the more and more you do that, there's going to be opportunities down the line. Businesses are growing. New things are always starting. And when somebody is looking for a leader, they're going to go to you because they know that your peers trust you. You make good decisions. You're thoughtful. You care about the organization. So let's give her a chance to be a leader or to lead a team, whatever it is, whether you have leadership as a part of your job description or just as part of your character, there are ways that you can mentor people, teach people, um, allow them to grow. Uh, so I think you should take the opportunity whenever you get it. That's awesome. And then your reputation will precede you. Like exactly. You, said, you know, yeah. the best compliment you can ever be paid is the one you're not there to hear. Right. Yeah. What are people oh. saying when you're not around? For sure. And that's exactly, yeah. Yeah. We're awesome. not around. I'm going to say that was a great podcast. Great. Thank around. you. Even though I just said it. Even though you just said it. You're also going to say it <laughs> I'm when I'm not we're around. We're not around. Okay. That's right. Exactly. Good. Thank you for coming. We Thank really you for having it. me. I really, I learned something. I got another question for you offline because if I asked it right now, I think we're going to go down a rabbit hole. But it's it's still about healthcare, but and how you work with people. But I'm not going to say it, even though people wonder what it is. But if you want to know, I might put it in the show notes. There you go. See? Yeah, check those show notes out. What I just did. I, I see that carrot. You're, <laughs> you're check those show out. notes out. All right. Well, Alexis, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what would you suggest? Um, so you are welcome to find me on LinkedIn. I'm Alexis Hunter. Um, and then you're welcome to email me at alhunter at wilmingtonhealth.com. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for thank joining you. us thank and you. sharing your wisdom on leadership. It. Yeah, it was, it's it was been fun. awesome. We appreciate you. I enjoyed being here. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. All right, guys, gals, people out there, we're leaving you again, but we'll be coming back with our next episode of that L Word podcast. So please leave us a five-star rating. Maybe put that six-star in the review when you take that 30 seconds to write it out. Yes. That helps us out a ton. Thanks yes. for hanging out, everybody. See you later. Bye. <laughs>